What's up, guys? It's your girl, Victoria J, here to tell you why I love, love, love recording with Anchor by Spotify. Did you guys know it's one of the easiest ways to make and distribute a podcast all in one place with music features, enhancement tools, and a whole lot more? You can distribute your podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, iHeartMusic, and a whole lot more. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to Anchor by Spotify and start your new show today. And while you're at it, check out an episode with me, your girl, Victoria J from 12th Street. Talk back. Welcome back to 12th Street Talk Back, where transparency is our love language. I am your host, Victoria J, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another day that God has blessed us in. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Right now, Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the very breath that we are breathing right now, Father God. We thank you for your direction. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for your grace and for your mercy, Father God. As we go through our day to day, Father God, let our minds and our hearts stay steadfast on you. And everything that you can do in our life, everything that you will do in our life, and all that you have already done for for us, Father God, we just bless your name this morning. Amen. Amen. So listen, guys, did you pour into yourself today? I hope everybody poured into their self today. I have been pouring into myself. I have been enjoying this great southern weather. I know that it is flu season and pneumonia season, but I have really and been enjoying it in the Carolinas. Right now in the Carolinas, we're in a 70, uh, high 70s, low uh, 60s or high 60s, however you want to say it. And it feels like spring is already among us. So I've been lifting up the windows and opening up the patio and letting some of that fresh air just come on in. And I've just been basking in and I just thank God that we hadn't got any snow yet, but we've had some cold rainy days. But this winter seemed like it was just no winter. It just seems like it was just rain and a little bit of chill. I didn't even really have to pull out my overcoat. So that was a blessing in itself. So I'm hoping spring gets here. So I hope you guys poured into yourself today. Today, we're going to be talking on a topic that um, it was brought to me and I did a little digging and and I have a special guest in the studio today and the topic is self-hate and it was brought to me by my husband. So I'm going to introduce you guys to my husband. His name is Will, and I know I've told you guys about him in the past. So we finally got him on the show. So everybody welcome him. Welcome, Will. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, beautiful. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you here. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. 
So listen, you brought me this topic. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. You brought me this topic and well, you actually brought me an article and you said, read this. And I read it and I said, honey, I think I should do a show on that. And you said, well, I'll join you. And as I got into the article, it was just so intriguing. And I kind of remember hearing something about it back in the day, but I didn't never read it. And it was just like mind blowing. You guys, this is an article that a young man by the name of Orville Douglas wrote. And I believe the paper that um, actually printed his article, um, it was called The Guardian. And he did an article about in, about why I hate being a black man. And we're going to dig into that a little bit today. But just just to reference, I did a little research of my own and I looked up self-hate. And self-hate says it's an intense dislike for oneself that encompass continual feelings of inadequacy, guilt, low self-esteem, constantly comparing yourself to people and believing or receiving more negative thoughts than positive, self-loathe, depression, suicidal, not being imperfect, anxiety, and procrastination. And this young man did this article back in 2013, um, November 2013, and it said, Why I Hate Being a Black Man. And he's from Canada, and he goes into his story telling why, you know, he hated to be a black man. And I know you read it, Honey Bun, but what did you think about the article after you read it? Because it was just mind-blowing to me. For myself, what what I for myself what I see in that is uh, he's just a normal black man. Um, the things that that he talked about in his article, uh, not being confident, uh, didn't like the way that he looked. You know that plays a big part in in any man. Mm-hmm. But when you're a child, you know when you're a child and you have those thoughts or you comparing yourself to others. <clears throat> you comparing yourself to others, and and you have no one there to correct you. And most of the time, men don't talk about uh, self hate. It comes out in our behavior. Right. So, you know, the article was pretty good, and you know, I found a lot of similarities or parallel lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm going to give them a little backstory. And he said in his article, and I didn't jot down everything, but just to paraphrase it, he said that he felt like he was a black man with good hygiene. He dressed well. He owned his own business. But he realized that um, at certain times when he would get on the bus or get into a cab or anything that he was doing publicly, that people either left the seat beside him on the bus empty or shot away from him. And he said he had the conversation with his sister, and his sister commented, Orville, people are just afraid of you because you're a black man with broad shoulders and you're six feet tall. 
And he said he didn't perceive it to be that way. He perceived it as him walking around feeling miserable and ashamed as a black man. And he went on to say that he knew that a lot of black women recognized it as 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 black women. We all black women, we always talk about our skin and our hair and how we felt like um, we were different or the other races looked at us different. But he said that um, he felt like most men, y'all, you guys didn't internalize that because of your masculinity. Y'all didn't really think about it that way. But as he went on um, to think about it, he thought that he hated being a black woman, black man because how they stereotype black men and put them in certain categories, um, popular culture categories like sports and crime and entertainment. And he didn't want to be associated with that. He wanted to be characterized for his character and the person that he was in, that he is, and not being put inside of a box. And I just felt what he was saying, but I'm not a black man, so... It's, it, I, I relate a little bit different, I guess I would say. I would say that um, most black men fit, probably feel the same way, but you can take that, that thought a little uh, deeper too. Mm. And the reason why is because uh, growing up, growing up uh, in America, any black man, if you don't look a certain way, you know, if you got dark skin, I'm dark skin, you know, dark skin, big lips. And a wide nose, you know. And that's what he said in his article. He said that, you know, what he felt like when most people from different races looked at him, that's all they seen was his dark skin, his wide nose, his thick lips, and he wanted to be seen for him, his character. So, you got... That goes back to... Um... To what Martin Luther King said, it, you know, he says, "Judge me by the, uh, the my character, the intent of my character. You know who I am. You know, not the color of my skin. But being a black man growing up, uh, I'm 53 now. So growing up uh, in the 70s, growing up in the 70s and the 80s, you you begin to see the difference between you know." Uh, light skin and dark skin. People will, you know, back then, they, if you wouldn't light skin, you know, you you wasn't getting the girls, you know, black girls, you know. So, black girls didn't like dark skin guys back then. I don't know why. You know, they say black of the berry, sweet of the juice. But, you know, <laughs> so, I don't know why. But, I can relate. <laughs> but uh, the the thing is, even now, I can go back and I can look. And I, I, I can look in the mirror and I can see I can see the way that self-hate plays a part in our lives. You know, um, it, it shows us what we are on the inside. The things that we feel, the things that we talk about. You know, the type of women that we, we chase after. The type of women that we marry. Uh, the type of jobs that we have. Mm-hmm. And... Being on, even with co-workers, you know, even today, sometimes you can look at it and if you work with other, uh, 
um, different races, if you work with different races, you know, you, in the back of your mind, men and women do this, and people can't tell me that they don't because they do. In the back of your mind, you wonder, how do they see me? Mm-hmm. So, you know, me personally, like I said, with the big lips and, and uh, wide nose, you know, I'm, I got an athletic build. But the thing is, in the back of my mind, when I'm working, and I bet you they're over there thinking I'm a slave or something. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's, it's yeah, not funny, know, but, yeah, you know. But, yeah, that, that's true, though. And yeah. that's the way people look at, that's the way people, that's the way I perceive people to look at me. Mm-hmm. But then when I start talking to them, mm-hmm. it's a whole nother story. If you want to know how stupid someone is, listen to them for five minutes. You want to know how smart they are, they'll keep their mouth closed. So when I'm getting to look at people, man, yeah, I am the smartest person in the room most of the time because I will never let what I feel or what I think determines how the next person sees me. How they see me may be one thing, but after they talk to me, it's another thing. And I definitely get that. I get that because that's what he was saying when he went on to say that he wanted people to see his character. He said that he didn't want to be labeled as uh, popular culture relates to black men due to sports, crime, entertainment, or... um, what else he went on to say about being they stereotize most men as being lazy or delinquent or um, non-disciplined men and he didn't he did he wasn't like that because he didn't carry himself like that but he felt like in most circumstances they didn't look at him as the businessman that he was you know they just looked at his skin tone and his height and he said that he hated being a black man because he felt like he was in his own prison with no escape because it always would be a label and I can I can concur to to a point because I had my own set of prison when I was younger I hated being Four foot eleven, light skin, big lips, and a big butt. And I was always, uh, men would always gravitate to that. And it made me in, feel insecure. But to them, I guess they were either paying me a compliment or trying to play me a compliment. But I felt degraded. And I remember when I was in high school. I used to pray and cry that I didn't have a big butt because wherever I walked in, into school, that's all they would say or they would say something derogatory about my lips. But now in the area era that we live in now, women are actually going behind big butts and getting injections for big lips. But I remember feeling 
so low. I felt like that wasn't a great quality about me as a black woman. And I remember just praying, God, I just don't want them to see me like that. So I can relate to what he's saying. But in the same sense, I embrace my culture. I think black is beautiful. I'm proud to be a black American. I'm I'm proud to be a descendant um, from my West West African roots, as well as my Dominican roots. My father was part Dominican and African-American. So I embrace all of that. So, you know, I can kind of feel where he's coming from. But when I read the article, it was just so sad. And when I started to dig in to uh, the different definitions of self-hate, you know, you, you, you learn stuff that you learn something new every day. And when you brought it to me and I really start digging into it, it was a wealth of information out there. And you can't possibly imagine what people are thinking and what they're going through. I mean, it you, was... You it, can't. Most of the time, you know, men nowadays, we will never tell you what's really on our mind. Mm-hmm. We will never tell you. We could be thinking about something for days and days and days and, and it will just sit there. What's wrong, honey? Nothing, babe. Everything's fine. But in the back of our minds, we are constantly thinking or or reliving something that has been said to us before. You know, when I was a kid, uh, <clears throat> I think I was like nine or ten. I was playing in front of our 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 house, and um, you know, this lady walked by. I didn't know it then, you know, but she. I didn't know that she was an alcoholic then, but she walked by and she she said that uh, you're an ugly little black MF. And you know I'm 53 years old, and that still stuck with me. Her face, you know, the uh, how she walked, you know, and it, that was a black lady. So I internalized that, and I took that with me up until my 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 30s. Actually, I took that with me, you know. And then when I was in junior high and high school. If you wanted to find out if I had a fight game, start picking on me and find out. You know that's the way that's the way I carried it because I wouldn't allow people to to pick on me about the way that I look. You know I was very sensitive in that area. Today I laugh at it because when, once I got older, I found out it's a conversation piece. You know you just have, you have to know how to how to look at yourself. And say the same thing that God says. You're beautiful and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. God didn't make everybody the same. You know, I looked in the mirror and I said, God, I was a young kid. I think I was about 15 then. I said, God, why did you make me this way? Mm-hmm. You know, so once I began to understand that God made me different, now I'm older Man, I'm handsome as I don't know what. I know that's right, love. You know, <laughs> I, I am. You know, and I carry myself that way, you know, but it starts on the inside. Uh, You have to be confident in who you are and you got to face whatever it is that whatever it is that says that you're not enough. That's what you got to put on the table. You got to remove that out of your life so you can actually begin to see who you are. And that don't that doesn't that not only applies to black men, it implies to the world in general. You know, you got to put it out there and say, look, this is me. You know, if you don't like it, so what? Somebody else will love it. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, um, one man's junk is another man's treasure. Mm-hmm. 
So how you how you view yourself determines how other people will view you. Mm-hmm. So you, you just have to you have to be confident in who you are. You have to be settled in who you are. Well, I I concur. I definitely concur in that. I mean, you know, and my listeners already know I tell them all the time that you think I'm a chatterbox. <laughs> and we talk about a lot of stuff. When when I can get him to talk, guys, we talk about a lot of stuff. And one thing that we did talk about, I don't know if you remember, honey, it was about a week ago, and we did talk about um, being black in America and the different things that we go through. And we talked about that um, when we watched the Tyree Nichols um, murder. And we talked about how we are um, we are treated differently. But we also talked about it, I think we talked about it in a way that you said to me, you know, there's always going to be something in this world that we as black people fight against. But we don't look at us, look at ourselves as just black. We are Christians first. And because of the love of God, you can't tell me what I represent. God made me this way. He knew who, what and who I was going to be when I was formed in my mother's womb. And I, and I have to remember that, especially, you know, right now being in the public eye and putting so much stuff out there, I have to remember not to live in my feelings, as you tell me. And as well, remember that I still do want to represent the black woman, but I want to represent um, Christ and my Heavenly Father first. But I do understand I'm, st- I'm still black. I mean, I'm, I still live in this skin, and I'm still going to have to go through the things of this world that people that that are not Christians are going to, you know, say or do and not be consciously aware. And they don't care whether you are Christian or not. I think we had this conversation with you telling me that sometimes you have to tell certain people, you know, I don't want to hear that. I'm a Christian. And they think just because you are a black man that you, every, you know, everything you want to interpret. And you said, you said to me, and I've told my listeners this, you said to me before, I don't eat everything that I hear. That's right. You know, uh, you you have to eat the fish and throw away the bones. You eat the good parts. You know, and uh, I like what you said because being black in America is different. You know, I don't know how it is for for women, but as a black man walking down the street, and they they laugh at this, but this is the God's honest truth. I'm five foot six. I got a muscular build. And I have a stern look on my face. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> no nonsense, you know. But people look at that, and when people of different races look at that, they look at that and, and they move to the other side, like like I'm threatening them. Mm-hmm. My, my facial features and my demeanor, I'm threatening them. But if I go in and say, how you doing, Mr. Charlie? You all right today, Mr. Charlie? You know, bowing my head, looking at their feet. They're happy with that. You know, and I am I will look a man in the eye, whether I'm right or wrong, I'm still going to look him in his eye. You know, and, and in today's society, people don't like that. They don't like for you to be... I'm not assertive. I'm not passive-aggressive. You know, um, I'm laid back. 
I can go either way at any time. But it's one thing that I've noticed as black men in this world. I was talking to a friend the other day, and uh, he's a Hispanic guy, and we were talking about the the Nichols case, and he was telling me about um, Mexico, and he said it, it was so amazing because I told him, I said, black police officers are nastier and meaner than white police officers concerning blacks. And he says, you know, Will, you're absolutely right. You know, in Mexico, the Mexican police, they are so nasty. He said, even here, the Mexican police are so nasty. Mm. And and I thought about that. You know, when, when you give any person that is your race a badge, they treat you like you are subhuman. Because they think that they have arrived to another statue or level in life. And I'm just going to be honest with you. The governments and the Caucasians have given you badges. And now you think that you can go out there and hurt and do what you want to to your own people. Uh I've arrived. I'm part of the circle now. Well, we see how that circle works. And that goes back to me. That goes back to this. Me understanding that self-hate comes in all form Mm -hmm. it comes in all forms all colors self-hate it's a destruction of oneself through our behaviors our thoughts and how we behave or how we perceive other people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I, i definitely agree with that i definitely agree with that they had so many um just so much stuff out there on the internet from women, from men, and I try to get most of my stuff right. And I know both of us. I mean, you do you do more so than I do. Um, listen to a lot of NPR, where you know they don't. Um, how can I put this? The regular news, whether it's nation, nationwide or local. They give us the surface. It's almost like it's commercialized. And I will say it is commercialized news. But when you start to listen to some of these backdoor radio stations like RPM, which is very popular, but, you know, and even other podcasters from people that know different stuff that they just don't air out there on TV, you start to learn a lot of stuff. And in doing this in my search, I learned a lot about self-hate. And it does happen with men, women, even children. That's where it starts at. It starts with, it starts in children first. You know, not liking yourself because uh, maybe I'm a girl and, and and my hair isn't right or or my skin tone isn't right. I have freckles or any little thing. You know, and with guys, it's the same way. But we internalize that, and as we get older, we begin to act those things out. Some of us become uh, drug addicts. Some of us become alcoholics. Some of us start living that lifestyle in the world that that is really not us. But we try to fit in to make ourselves to make ourselves happy. But that's not really happiness. That that is, I'm covering up the things in my life that that are turning me down at this moment in time. And there's no one to say, hey, look, it's okay. And the only reason why there's no one to say that to us because we won't open up to people because we're scared of what 
they might say if we told them, you know, man, I'm not feeling good about who I am or how I look because we, we as men, we laugh at stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we laugh when somebody says, "Hey, look, man, I, I don't feel good," you know, ab- about about my big lips or you know my fat belly or you know uh, I'm goofy looking. You know, we, we don't talk about stuff like that, man. You know, I talked to someone that's near and dear to me, and we were just having a normal conversation. And um, I think we were talking along the lines of me and you and how you and I met. And the person said, I didn't, she, she said, I didn't go get me a, a dark skinned husband when I first got married. She said, I went and got the lightest thing that I could find because I didn't want my children to come out dark skinned because I'm I'm dark skinned. And that kind of made me feel some type of way, but then it goes back to the different topics and the different things that me and you, we've talked about in the past. We've talked about, you know, we, we're a blended family and all of my kids happen to be light skinned. And I think you've had some conversations with me about that with your kids. You didn't want your kids to be. Yeah, I didn't want my kids to be dark skinned either. And, and that goes back to a form of self-hate. I seen a little kid in the neighborhood where I grew up, and he, he was like, you know, black, blacker than blue. You know, it wasn't nothing wrong with him. It, I, it was me. I was the person that had it all wrong, you know. And I, I told myself then, I think I was like 15 or 16, I said, man, I'm not going to have a, 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 a dark-skinned kid because they get picked on. You know, and all my kids, and I, I, I was true to my word. All of my kids are light-skinned, you know. Well, you know, I can say the black of the berry, the sweet of the juice, and I'm not light-bright, but I'm in the category of light-brown-type skin. It just depends you, pecan on... Pecan-tan, girl. <laughs> pecan-tan. It just depends on, you know, the time of the year. In the wintertime, I get lighter and the darker... In the summertime, I get a little bit darker, and just like our oldest daughter, um, on my from my my side, she she's mixed with African American and Cherokee Indian, and her Cherokee Indian side really comes out in the summer. Like you've seen it for yourself, she turns like a dirt red type deal, and and, and I guess I, I could never understand it because I always gravitated towards, I love dark skin I think it's the most beautiful thing, and I don't know if I just made that word up <laughs> that I can see I mean, when I first met you I said, oh god, you got the beautiful skin, and you're all chiseled like a god <laughs> yeah, you did say that you did say that but I couldn't I couldn't understand, and I guess as I'm getting older, I understand now, but I couldn't understand then what the big deal was was with being of a darker tone because I would have embraced it, and, and I'm they, so busy they, trying to hide mine. <laughs> because they vilified that. They vilified having dark skin, and it goes back to slavery mentality. Uh you, you kept the dark skins in the fields and you took the light skins into the house to work. And that's the way that we see things today. We, you can't tell me that we don't. Look at the... If, if you just sit down and look at it. Look at where... When you see the most influential black people, what are their skin tones? 
I don't know, because one of my favorite happened to be Oprah Winfrey, and she's of a dark color. I mean, she's not black, but she ain't black. she's brown skin. That's right. I'm black. <laughs> I'm black. The lighter you are, the more... The lighter you are, the more... I'm looking for this word, and it is easy for you to get to places that you want because you are non-threatening. The lighter your skin, you are non-threatening. I could see that. I could see that. I could see that. I could see that because I was out there in the corporate world and... Um, like I said, I would have loved to seen other black women all those years that I was out there. And I was the only black one in the in the room of maybe 20 to 30 other people that was at the status that I was at. And I always felt out of place. But I, I, I always said I had to put on two different people. I had to fit into that world. And my skin fit into that room. and And I was picked out of... All the people they could have interviewed for that position, they picked a light-skinned girl, and I was the only one. So I never really had anyone to relate to when we had our big corporate meetings. And even at the times when we had to go out of town and spend the night with another counterpart, sometimes it it was still hard for me to let my hair down and I guess show my blackness. I always had to be... On guard, so I guess I could see that. Yeah, you have to be misproper, and you know, it's like me when I was a supervisor at this company. I had to be the same way. You know, when I'm out there on the floor, you know, I can I can laugh with the coworkers and and shoot the job with them, but as soon as I as soon as those doors closed behind me, I had to be different. You know, I, I had to play my role. You know, it wasn't no sir, yes sir. It, you know, um, I had to articulate what I wanted to say. It couldn't mm-hmm. be muddled. I, I had to sit, you know, sit straight, proper. You know, and and that was because where I was at. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we don't live in that type of society today, and and I can't really say we don't live in that type of society today. I can say that other races. Um, they may be just like us. You know, some some races don't see no color. I mean, you have a genre of different cultures that are good friends to you. White, Latino, black, and some of your best friends are white white people. Right. And I, I, I certainly can concur because some of my best friends are, are, are white people. So sometimes I think... You know, for me, I still live in that box where nobody sees any color until it hits me slap dead in the face. And I realize what this young man was saying in his article. I can concur what you, you identified what you said, and it brings it back to remembrance. I thank God that he has a shield over us now, and we don't have to, you know, I don't think about it constantly, but when somebody definitely puts you in that box... It reminds you that you are of a different skin tone. I don't care how friendly they can be. They they sometimes can remind you of that. So I, I, I definitely can identify with uh, his article. And he did say in the end that 
that was something that he was trying to overcome the fact that he hated that he was a black man and he just wanted to be seen for who he is and his his character and again this article was put out in 2013 and you can go and look it up on um the guardian is where i found it and it was i think it was more like a blog that he did that ended up surfing around the internet and um i think uh one of the commentators from cnn did a a piece on him and he was just saying he was trying to embrace that fact but that's just how he felt about himself but i think it goes back to what you said being confident in who you are being the best that you can be at what you are and i do agree with people putting black people in boxes if you are not into sports or entertainment um regular joe blow people like us we do sometimes we feel it the first i guess we are the the foot soldiers i would say the foot soldiers feel the battle first before it ever gets to the general so i with me you know i'm always with the keep hope alive and hopefully things can change but i thought it was an interesting topic and i thank you for bringing it to us you're very welcome any last words on that? Any last thoughts on, on on it? Yeah, the last thing that I would say is this right here. The Bible says in Psalms 146, we are wonderfully and beautifully made. Amen. And when you think about that, every area of your life, every stitch of your being, just think how beautiful you truly are. I believe that people have so much love to give, but we don't know how to really give love to each other because we put the skin barriers up and and sometimes it begins with ourselves, how we perceive ourselves. If I thought that what that lady said to me when I was nine or 10, if I thought that about myself, I wouldn't be here today telling someone else that they are beautifully and wonderfully made. God didn't make no junk and everything that he said that he made is beautiful and good. Well said. I don't think I could end this. I don't think I could end this subject or this episode with any other words than that. Other than that, I could say you know, guys, thank you for listening to us. Thank you, Will, Honey Bun, for finally joining me on this uh, amazing platform that God has gifted me with. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And thank um, Belgium and thank Nigeria. They just joined in. Um, and we have some listeners over there. So I thank you guys very much, as well as Spain, Puerto Rico, United Kingdom, definitely the United States, and all the people that has supported uh, the podcast. As I told you guys before, it started off as a journal. And I really, really appreciate the support. And, and hopefully the topics we bring to you are topics that will make you think about something always keep God on your mind always try to have a kind word 
for somebody and if you can a hot meal goes a long way and my honey bun taught me this one he said sometimes we can plant a seed with somebody and someone else will come along and water it but if we plant that seed then we'll be in obedience to the thing that God wants us to do and then again sometimes somebody may already have had a seed planted and you can be the waterer So let's all just grow in love. I don't know where that young man is today, but I hope that he's well with himself and the person that God made him to be. Thank you guys for listening, as well as I want to give a shout out to Good Pods as we're recording this show today. I got the um, chart saying we reached number one on the relationship charts on the top 100s of Good Pods. So thank you, thank you, Good Pods, for this amazing platform that you're able to give us podcasters and our listeners. Check us out on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Amazon, Castro, over on our website, 12streettalkback.com, on pod page. And until the next time, peace and blessings.